Hello from Diplomatic Language Services, and welcome to our podcast, Language Matters. We make language accessible to everyday people by discussing features which may not exist in other languages. I'm your host, Molly Sampson. Welcome to this podcast episode of Language Matters. Um, today, we're going to focus on Turkish for our 13th episode. Um, I have with us today Zeynep, uh, and she is a Turkish teacher here at DLS. Oh, and I totally forgot my Turkish greeting. How do I? Merhaba. Oh, merhaba. Okay. Uh-huh. But isn't it like nasisiniz? Nasılsınız? How are you? Okay. Uh-huh. Nasılsınız? Mm-hmm. Teşekkür ederim. <laughs> and then we also have uh, Jessica, and she is one of our project managers here, but lived in Turkey for five years and has studied the language. So, merhaba. Merhaba. Uh, so, uh, let's. I think we usually start with the writing system. So, we were talking about it before, similar mm-hmm. to English characters, but can you talk about the differences a little bit? Yeah. Well, Turkish. Uh, it uses the Latin alphabet. It used to use the Arabic mm-hmm. uh, writing oh. system, but I think it was changed over in the 1920s. Yeah, thanks to Atatürk after establishing oh, right, right. The, yeah, the Republic. Yeah, he mm. switched the alphabet too, and that helped a lot with the literacy, of course. And uh, yeah, speaking as a Turkish learner, the alphabet, having the Latin letters definitely makes it easier to understand. Um, so you can look at Turkish and read it, even if you don't know it. But there are some different letters. So it's purely phonetic. If you know the alphabet, you can pronounce It's much everything. more phonetic okay. than English. Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely. But it has some extra letters. It has yeah. extra letters. That might be difficult for a learner, but it is actually otherwise really, like you said, it's totally phonetic. Mm-hmm. There are no silent letters with one silent G. It's called the silent G. So the yumuşak G, that's the only one which does really It elongate. looks like a G? It is G with a little thing on top. Okay, like a little like hat? A line, a little hat, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, what it does really elongates the vowels because normally Turkish vowels are always short vowels mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. that elongates the vowel. That's all it does. But otherwise, like you're saying, there's some letters that only Turkish alphabet has and then we are missing some letters from English, like the Q and the X and... Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, w, for the example. The ones we don't yeah. really need anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, which letters, as a learner, or I guess sounds, because mm-hmm. uh, the letters all produce sounds, for you or for your learners, what mm-hmm. what are some really difficult sounds in the Turkish language? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, definitely the yumshak gay was harder, mm-hmm. not because it's hard to say, but because vowels are really difficult in Turkish. So, um, for example, even when I was saying just if I would go into a corner shop and ask for water, which is su alabilirmim. Um, can I have water? Uh, often the shopkeepers wouldn't understand what I was asking for. The wo- they didn't understand your word, your pronunciation of the word water. Of the word water, which is S-U, su. Um, so let's hear Zainab say it. Is it? Su. So I don't know if you can hear the difference. Like it's a little shorter. And mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the vowels definitely are what were by far the trickiest for me as a student is trying to, especially the vowel length was really hard to master. Um, yeah. Because they're longer? Or you have to decide if they're short or long? You have to decide if they're short or long. And yeah, just kind of the quality of the sound was different sometimes, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. seemed. And it could really cause misunderstanding mm-hmm. um, to where someone would not understand you because mm-hmm. you're mispronouncing a vowel. Oh. Because we have these, every all the vowels, for example, the U, we have a flat U, so-called, we have an umlaut U, and then flat O and an umlaut 
oh. So the omelet O sound is an O sound. And I mm-hmm. always, I mean, for the most part, I would say my students have the most difficulty with sounding the O and then the flat I, which is an O sound. Can you say them back to back again? O, O. And then making a different differentiation between yeah, yeah. Uh and the uh sound. And when I'm teaching, I always say uh is the same sound as you're saying early or dirty. But mm. the students, it's most of the students are visual learners. So mm-hmm. when I say early, they visualize the way early is written in English, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they can be, they cannot visualize that that letter. So that's right, why right. the uh sound is really hard. It only comes, I think, in English when you say that like, caution. That uh, mm. otherwise it doesn't come up really, so that's also yeah. hard to pick. Okay, um, yeah, so we're talking about uh pronunciation, but um, can you tell us a little bit about where so Turkey, Turkish is obviously spoken in Turkey, where else do you find it in the world and the surrounding region? Well, Turkic mm-hmm. nations speak a Turkish. It's a little different, but it's the same language in the basis, but they might have different borrowed words from mm-hmm. Russian, especially the Turkic countries. Okay. Okay. But all the Turkic nations like Turkmenistan, as you say in Turkish, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, um, Azerbaijan, and they all speak a form of Turkish. And, of course, Turkey speaks Turkish. And then we have to also remember all these Turkish people living in Europe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many many people in Germany, Germany, France, um, Netherlands, Austria. So they're the second, third, fourth generation people living there, but they still keep the language. Mm -hmm. So why why are there so many Turkish people in, in Europe? Well, it started actually with Germany many, uh-huh. many years ago when Germans needed some extra workers to come and work, especially in the mines. Mm-hmm. And the Germans mm-hmm. did not want to. And then they really literally invited Turks to come and I work. See. I see. And then that's what the first generation started going, already obtaining their I visas see. and everything. But and then, then they started to migrate they, exactly, to the European bringing Union. bringing the families and stuff. At some point, then Germany started not wanting them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Every period, they send the Turks back and then they... They, um, it was, they were really hit hard hit by uh, the because the mines, especially the mine workers, I see, the I see. Germans did not want to work, so they called them back again. Oh. But nowadays, I mean, there are like generations and generations of Turks. They just born there, and they have the most of them. They have the nationality, they're citizens and stuff. Mm. I see, I see. Um, so, of the other languages like Uzbek and mm. Turkmen and Azeri, how far apart are they? Can you mutually understand each other across languages? I think Azeri is the closest, right? Mm-hmm. I used Azeri to always hear people say that. Yeah. yeah, Azeri is the closest. I can communicate with an Azeri person, uh, whereas Turkmen and Uzbek are, I think, the farthest from the Turkish. But if it is written, I can understand. I can read a uh, Turkmen newspaper and understand. But I see. I if see. they talk, I have harder time understanding because they have a little different accent, the way they swallow certain words at the end, and it's just harder to pick. But written, I can understand. I see. So before we were talking about the difference, maybe some of the words that are different in Azeri and uh, in Azeri, yeah, that, that's that's a good Turkey. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we have same <laughs> words. Example. The definitions are different, and sometimes it causes confusion because, for example, for the the verb they use for to for the plane to land in Turkish, which is dushmek, in Turkish it means to fall. So that's why they say like for and once I was having a conversation and the person said they wanted to say the plane has landed. What I understood is, was the plane has crashed and I was in panic. <laughs> like, you know, but <laughs> these are some, yeah. 
So Small if you over fishes. over the announcement in the plane, they say, yeah. "Oh, we're crashing now." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If a Turkish person is in on the plane, it will be just totally <laughs> pure panic. Yeah. Yeah. That that's funny. Yeah, and then uh, we were talking before also about some interesting grammatical features. Maybe what you found really difficult, or what uh, English speakers find really mm-hmm. difficult about, difficult about the language. Um, what would you say? Yeah, um, the grammar is definitely very different from English. Um, Turkish is an agglutinative language, which means it uses suffixes to make meaning. Um, so, so suffixes uh, for people that aren't yeah language people, but putting letters at the end of or little particles or something at the end of mm-hmm. words to make more meaning? Yeah. So like an example of a suffix in English would be like L-Y to make something an adverb. So you have the word slow. If you add the suffix L-Y, it means slowly mm-hmm. um, and it creates a different word. Um, so Turkish has a lot more of those than English. So for example, if you want to say like, I can do something in English, it's a separate word. But in Turkish, it's a suffix that goes at the end of the word. So if you want to say konuşmak uh, means to speak. If you want to say uh, to be able to speak, you have to say konuşabilmak. Mm-hmm. And so definitely the, the suffixes are different because it means the word order is really different. And that's a big challenge for a learner, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So how's the word order different? It's subject, object, verb. Subject, object, verb. Versus, you subject, know, subject, verb, verb object. object. Okay. That's one thing, definitely. And then, of course, we have these things. When you're forming these so-called subordinates, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the woman in the red dress, the woman who's wearing a red dress, so then we have to put some uh, so-called participles to the verb stem, and then the order also gets totally, again, different from the English. It's backwards, totally almost backwards. The, yeah, almost mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. So if you in English you want to say, I saw a woman wearing a red dress, that's the sentence in English. But in Turkish, the order is... Red dress woman, red dress wearing woman I saw. Yes. So it's very different. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and in those languages, I've heard, you know, about how you have to wait so long. You have to listen mm-hmm. for the entire sentence, where in so English, a lot of times thing. you get the verb and you can guess what the objects exactly. are going to be. Yeah. So interrupting people is much harder... Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, you you never get the full meaning until the end. In English, you know, you hear, you hear the subject and the verb. At least you know who's doing what. And then you yeah. have to look for. But in Turkish, the verb and most of the time the subject is at the end. Mm-hmm. Because if it's a pronoun, it's not going to be used. It, people omit it. So mm-hmm. you have to wait to figure out who's doing what. Yep. So <laughs> is that, the, is that the, kind of the most difficult thing mm-hmm. you find? Um, the word order is different, yeah. The the suffixes are different. And then also, I think we were talking about earlier, Turkish has these really long words mm. that you would take an entire sentence to say in English. So if you say, like, I shouldn't have done that, that's like four or five words in English. But in Turkish, it's just one word, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Turkish holds the record for the longest word. For the longest word, yes. So what is that? <laughs> Can you say it in Turkish? I'll try to say it sometimes. It's a tongue twister. Let's say <laughs> <laughs> it's all one good. word. It's all one word. And, and it means? It means, are you one of those who we could not make it into Czechoslovakians? <laughs> I guess it's not used very often. but <laughs> No, yeah, it's been just created, I guess, to show how, how long, long a Turkish get. word can get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were also talking about translations. Are translations then mm-hmm. much shorter? 
Translations are much shorter, yeah. Mm. yeah. I was talking about the Harry Potter books. You know, mm. the, the books normally are about 800, 900 pages long. And then once I just looking in a Harry Potter translation, and it's only like 500 pages long. And I first, even though I teach language, I speak Turkish, I thought maybe there are parts that are missing. It's so much shorter, <laughs> but it's not. It's really the full translation. Oh, maybe it's more efficient. It is. It is efficient. It's very compact. It's very mm-hmm. efficient, yeah. Mm. Um, do you uh, nowadays have uh, some borrowed words from English? Do you get a lot of, or from other languages in the area? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Turkish has a lot of words that are borrowed from Arabic. Okay. Um, and, yeah, you can often tell by the way a word is spelled or something if it comes from Arabic. And then it has borrowed words from English too, I guess. Less, uh, some technological yeah, you know, yeah. words maybe from English, but it has a lot of Arabic, Persian, mm-hmm. and French, many mm-hmm. French. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, lots yeah, of French. French. That was a big... So even you can say, like, merci oh, is a yeah. Turkish yeah. word that yeah. means thank you. I think in Persian you also say yeah, merci, yeah. right? Yeah, so. they also use that, yeah. Okay. Um... Okay, so uh, we've been talking about language differences, and some of those bleed into cultural differences. Are there any things that you think are, you know, language-wise that are related to culture? Mm. Um, So one difference that that Turkish has is they have a suffix to talk about the past, the mush suffix, and it it means that you didn't see something yourself, Mm -hmm. but you heard about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So in English, if you were to say, like, oh, I heard that you know, she's coming, or I heard that it's raining uh, in another city, you have a separate suffix for that, just one suffix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if someone tells you, for example, you know, it's raining in New York today, you're talking to a friend, and the friend is in New York, but you're not. And then if you want to just report it to your another friend saying, you, if you say in English, which you would say, it's raining in New York. In Turkish, it sounds so wrong because I would say, how do you know that? You're not in New York. You, you've been only told. So you have to use this particular conjugation tense to say, make it clear that that's what you've been told. But yeah, I think that's witness. a good feature because it, you almost can't make things up then. You always yeah. have to modify it. So you say, oh, you know. Istanbul's a beautiful city. Uh-huh. And then if I've never been there, <laughs> exactly. I'm just... Yeah. Exactly. But mush is also used for skepticism. Yes. Mm. If you, to qualify uh, yeah. your So statement. that's what he says, but kind oh, of. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes even like among foreigners who were kind of in the middle of learning Turkish, people would just, because they wanted to be able to express that sense of like uncertainty or mm-hmm. like qualifying it. Mm-hmm. So they would just use mush in an English sentence, they were like, well, oh. we said, they said we'd leave on time, but mush. mush. You know, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You know. It's almost like inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. So it was like, and I think that kind of like shows how it really is something that is a very useful thing to have in a language. And mm-hmm. even if people couldn't use it, they still wanted to be able to like Express communicate that it. Sentiment. Yeah, it had yeah. something that they wanted to, to say. So I thought that was really interesting. Of course, one more thing that different from English. Other languages have that, but English doesn't have. We have the formal you, informal you. Mm. Mm. So being formal is important. So that's not one you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how quickly do you go into the formal versus? Oh, from the beginning on. From the very beginning on. I teach the students actually always starting the formal you because you can never go wrong with using the formal you, but you can go wrong with the informal. Oh, so how quickly, so if I, oh, if oh, I you meet mean you, how quickly do you move or? from, for, no, no, not teaching wise, oh, okay. in everyday conversation, 
how prevalent is the informal? If I go to a shop, I assume I use formal or? That is interesting. That if you go to a shop, you are the customer. So you find saying it, you addressing the person with the informal you. Mm-hmm. But, but the shopkeeper have, to, have formal. to be formal with you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you meet a person, young people meeting each other for the first time, they straight go into the informal. Mm-hmm. If the person is older, definitely that shows the respect mm-hmm. informal you. Or if the person is has a be- you know, higher position than you at work, then it's definitely formal you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since we're in culture, we like to end uh, with either a proverb or an idiom or an interesting <laughs> saying that you think uh, kind of brings Turkish to life. Do you uh, have one? Or? I don't know if it brings Turkish to life, but it's well, absolutely the funniest saying that I've ever heard in my life. Okay. And it's, um, uh, how do you say, my, my, it's in Turkish, it's Maydanız Olmaz. Maydanız Olmaz. Olmaz. That's a funny one. Which, which literally translates as "don't be parsley," uh-huh. and it. The, but the meaning is "don't be nosy," because mm-hmm. in Turkish cooking, parsley is in every dish. It's uh, everywhere. So don't be in everything. Try, yeah, uh-huh. don't be trying to be in everything. Don't be like parsley, which is in everything. So if you okay. want to say to someone like "don't be nosy," you just say "don't be parsley." <laughs> okay, now I know Jessica when we're talking. Someone's doing that. Yeah, I'll just call them parsley. Yeah, yeah. stop being parsley. And of course. It, you probably know hospitality is very important. Mm-hmm. Turks are very mm-hmm. hospitable people. And yes. then this, this saying very is hospitable. like Tanrı misafiri. Tanrı misafiri means like a guest sent by God. Mm. So mm. everybody, even if you don't know someone and then they come knocking on your road door say, I'm sorry to bother you, whatever. They say, oh, please come in. You are Tanrı misafiri sent by God. Come in. Okay. So that's a cultural it's thing. It's absolutely well, don't, true. Don't give us your address because we come <laughs> looking for, for some Turkish food. So. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. That's, that's thank it you. for that today. Was... Thank you for joining us for this episode of Language Matters. Um, to our listeners, uh, you can continue the conversation by tweeting us at DiplomaticLS or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Diplomatic Language Services.